All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 529.5. Jason Lingren is with me and Marin Green returns. You can catch Marin's past episodes, which are 480 and 482.5. Basically, what this is about is bringing new lives into the world birthing. Of all the topics we cover, the natural birth idea is probably among the most important and the biggest deal to what's coming in the new era. We did the episode with Fortune and some of the people caught on that this was not an episode to somehow make political ideas real or less bogus than they are. It was entirely different. It's because of what the powers that be are stating is coming by 2025. The idea of 15-minute cities, the idea of money being gone, the idea of programmable money, the idea of basically AI policing everywhere. By the way, for those who have paid attention, I just reacquired Pro777.com, which a fraudster had stole from me almost 10 years ago. Uh, One of our members helped get it back, and he just returned from China. Unreal, the tales he's telling about what's going on there. They've already implemented there what they're threatening or promising, I should say, to try to pull off here. But with that, let's jump in. Welcome, Jason. And good afternoon. All right. Welcome back, Marin. Um, These are big, important ideas for the simple fact that the children that are brought into the world in an acceptable and proper way have such a huge advantage in my mind over the children who go through the uh, draconian system that's grown up around us. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for having me back. I love that this is my third time on this show. Uh, Three is such a magical number. It has so much divinity in it. So I'm just really honored to be here with you today and share about my mama's circle and this idea of not just bringing in the souls in this beautiful, sacred way, which is birth, but continuing to foster their amazing abilities um, through our parenting and through our mothering, because the babies that are coming through, as I've said before on this podcast, are super special, especially when they're choosing to come through in undisturbed birth. And then we need to know how to support them and ourselves um, as they grow up, because they are the ones that will change the future. So that's where I'm coming from today. I'm super excited to share with you all and hear what you have to say. So since Rose keeps her finger on the pulse of everything, I am told there are many members here that have benefited from your 13 minutes course, which is where I'd like to pick up. But for folks who want to find Marin Green and her work, you go to IndieBirth.org. That is I-N-D-I-E birth.org, indiebirth.org. Do you want to pick up with the 13 moons? From what I've been told, Rose knows a number of members who have benefited, and we have only heard very, very positive things about it. (laughs) That's so great. Um, Ironically, we have closed 13 moons to the public just because we have so many other projects. Um, However, if you're a listener of this podcast, you can always get in touch with me and I can hook you up on the back end because the course still exists. We're just not offering it for sale anymore publicly. But it was a great run. And like I said, we are focused on birth work at Indie Birth. 
but I have my own site now called magicalmama.org. And that's where I'm kind of picking up right now in my life. I've taken a break from birth work and attending births. I've come to Hawaii for a sabbatical and I'm really focusing on supporting women in this journey because I think, and I know, and I've seen that if women are supported, not just in birth, uh, in their mothering as well, that it truly has the potential to change the world. Um, you think so many women, especially are brainwashed, you know, where so many people are living the program of what it means to be a mother. And that's not a hugely positive thing in our culture. You know, women are exhausted. They don't feel supported in raising these kids. Um, the families are often broken apart. And when this happens, like the power and state of the world, I think drastically goes down. We're living in like a, a, a world run by men and, you know, no offense, um, but women have a different way of doing things. You know, we don't always need to consult our, our logic or our intellect. We have a deep wisdom inside of us. It's the same wisdom that allows us to birth babies without help. You know, our bodies know how to do this. So that same wisdom is in there for raising these children. And I'm really all about helping women access that so that we can shift the paradigm we're in. I think it's hugely important that women take the reins, so to speak, um, and you know, start leading from this place of intuition that is so vital to us. All right, first things first. So if people want to find you and your work, is it better for them to go to magicalmama.org? That's a great place to find me personally. And if you want to know more about this mama circle, but Indie Birth uh, is well and thriving. We're just starting to focus more there on women that want to become midwives or doulas. So we've changed our focus a little bit. Um, but like I said, you know, for people that are like, oh, damn, I want to know the 13 moons course, you know, I'm pregnant, just get in touch with me and I can make sure you have access to that course. So, you know, we do a lot of things. We're, we're just supporting women in kind of all stages of life. All right. I'm going to pick up really quickly on the gender idea, but then I want to bring up another idea because I don't think I, when I was young, I didn't know it was an issue and I know it's an issue now, but first the gender thing. For a long time, we've been out of balance. Why is that? Uh, I once had a wise, wise teacher say you could view men as always trying to balance the equation, and you could view women as here to unbalance the equation. And together, on an equal footing, this place works. Now, when it becomes out of balance, you kind of get what we got now, which is a one sided mess. And I truly suspect that right now what they're doing is defaming manhood to generation, so-called generation Z, the kind of man-hating. I think they're going to try to push it in the other direction where men are belittled and women are elevated beyond 50%. I think they do whatever they can to keep it out of balance. But to get back to the point, I want to bring up birth control. And I know some people feel like <laughs> that's against life. And I guess by definition, it kind of is. but I didn't realize when I was young what women go through and how many just terrible options and unhealthy things there are for birth control. Now, someone sent me an email about a week ago talking about neem, which I'm very familiar with as a form of birth control. And I don't know how you feel about birth control, but I'm going to ask the question because I think it's important. Are there safe methods of birth control that are doable? 
and the current mores of what culture accepts these days. Because to me, what I've heard about the pharmaceuticals and other things, those do not sound like acceptable options to me as an adult. I love this topic. And actually, our Magical Mama meetup this Sunday, and it's all virtual, is all about the menstrual cycle and magic. So we're going to be talking about different phases of our cycle during the month and how to bring ritual and intention into each of those places. Uh, Because my overall answer is not about anything external. So I'm all about the plants. I honor what nature has given us. There are so many ways that women have always used and known to either prevent pregnancy or to enhance fertility. That's a given. What isn't a given is our like God-given connection and information to our bodies. So I'm not going to give you all a lecture on um, fertility awareness, but if we understand, if women understand the way their bodies work, and there's, you know, scientific ways of learning this, we can take our temperature, we can be observing fluids and that kind of thing in our body, um, that is birth control. That is the first birth control, is awareness of what our bodies can do. Uh, So, you know, birth control as an external method, whatever you choose, really should be secondary to this wisdom that we have. And if girls were taught this from a young age, if they were taught this at, you know, age 11 and 12, before they even started menstruating, our world would be completely shifted because the power in knowing your own body is amazing. Um, And I feel so blessed to have learned that, you know, 20 years ago, no one taught me. I sat in Barnes and Noble and read a fertility book and learned it all myself in an hour. That is the wisdom that women are missing, you know, only in really extenuating circumstances should we be looking to the outside for either the plants or the medical world to solve these problems. Not that that doesn't happen, but can you imagine the shift uh, for families, even for men as well to know this? My husband's pretty up to date with fertility awareness. Like this is something the family can know and teach. And this was the original birth control. So that's my spiel on that one. I just kind of feel like when I was young, there you had a man who was being driven by chemical, (laughs) chemical, you know, things that are pushing you beyond reason uh, when men are young, as far as sex is concerned. And what I have heard recently about some of the pharmaceuticals, uh, I thought, really, there's got to be better ways. And again, I got some emails. Neem was one of them. But we can move on from here, if you like. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's something that we should teach. You know, I have teenage girls and I have a teenage boy and they are pretty well versed in this. So, you know, I think that's just, again, putting the power back in the people's hands can be can be outside of ourselves, but ultimately our true sovereignty is what already lives in our bodies. So I love that. You know, it's interesting. One of the, not to sidestep too much, but one of the things that was that the gentleman who recovered back crow777.com who had just been to China commented on the birth rate and even the people there know that they've got a serious problem with birth rate and they're not replacing it. This kind of children of men thing is coming. And that's another reason what we're talking about here is a big deal, not only to do it right, but I think the fertility rate in this country has dropped lower than it's ever been. That's kind of a side note. But since my notes seem to be a little out of date, because I'm given the wrong URLs, 
where would you like to go? Because I'm reading off the bullets list that sent me in the wrong direction from the get go. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we could go any which place, you know, I think the, the whole gender issue is definitely relevant, even, you know, talk, talking about women and having this circle B for women and mothers, you know, we've definitely and continue to get a lot of pushback at times from the mainstream narrative that wants us to abandon the word woman um, that calls us, you know, homophobic for using the word woman. So that's another uh, reason for really going out there for me with this circle and, and making it known that women will not be erased that everything that is in our bodies, that is in our, our souls as wisdom is important. And it is something we must pass on, you know, so we can't, we can't acknowledge any of that nonsense. Women are, are hugely important as are men, you know, uh, it's equal. People got to stand up against this nonsense. Nature shows us what is true. And what is true is there's a man and a woman, and that's how we replace human beings here. And this idea about pronouns or any other nonsense People need to just simply stand up in the face of this. This ridiculous push is absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how you feel about it. It is absolutely aimed at reducing birth rate. That's what I think it's about. Gender confusion. And I think they're not going to be happy until they've removed a few hundred million people from the world. I think that's what all this gender nonsense is about. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, of course, erasing erasing the identity of each sex is um, powerful, right? Because as we were saying, like the male and female energies are needed in balance. Um, so when the balance is off, you know, kind of all of life is off and it's already all that way. It's already skewed, but yeah, erasing women is not something um, I'm ever, ever into a conversation about when someone approaches me and they want to try to change my mind. There is just no changing it. So well, <laughs> not you too kind, much more to say. You, you kind of opened up with three as a magical number, which in fact it is. And a man and a woman together prove why three is a magical number, because then there can be a baby. That's creation. That is the epitome of why three is a magical number. It's creation. <laughs> so I'm going to pull from the list. A lot of what you've been teaching are skills to remain grounded and connected, not only themselves, but with their children. So uh, I'm guessing that the teaching picks up well before a birth is going to occur. Sure. So again, this is bringing women back to their center so that they can teach their children and mother from this place of deeper wisdom. Um, in the Magical Mama Circle, we actually do have a handful of women that aren't mothers yet. And I love that because it is open to women that will eventually be mothers. And I just can't imagine if like 25 years ago before I had kids, if I had come across, you know, this kind of information. So primarily, I talk a lot about magic and I know that word can be either really fun or maybe off-putting for some, but to me, magic is just our inherent birthright to create and to not have limits on that. And again, I think especially women are really programmed to be shut down from a very early age. Like they're just shut down to receiving messages from spirit maybe, or, you know, connecting to the earth. These things are poo-pooed. They're taught that they're, you know, silly or not practical enough. And 
this is the place where women can really thrive and again, get in touch with themselves. So I teach all kinds of things that I've learned. I've studied with a Celtic shaman. I've studied with other spiritual teachers and elders from around the world. And so many of the principles are the same. Uh, that we remember to ground ourselves to the earth's energy. And this is everybody, of course, this isn't just women, that we remember we came from the earth, uh, we'll go back to the earth, and that the earth is our mother. And in doing that, we just create this different relationship with the world, I think. And we acknowledge that there's power in us and outside of ourselves in the elements as well. So we have the air, the water, the earth, and the fire. And getting in touch with those things, experimenting with connecting with different elements brings us into the seasons and the yearly cycle. Uh, So we have the menstrual cycle, which is monthly. And then we have this like yearly cycle of living in most places and really getting women in touch with that. Uh, And kids are so natural. Like my kids are so naturally attracted to, you know, yesterday on the beach, like digging in the sand, of course, and finding driftwood and, you know, just really having this grounded connection with nature. And that's so important, especially when kids are little, like they don't need all this stuff we've been programmed with. Um, They don't need toys. They don't need plastic things. They don't need to be sat at a desk and given um, a book to complete. This is not where children thrive. And without developing that imagination, that connection to magic and spirit, they grow up kind of the way probably all of us did, just really trying to find ourselves and again, shed these programs. So it's a really, really huge conversation of just getting back to our roots and having the women really step forward in their families. Men can lead a family in a different way. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, men are are protective and can have a, a different energy, but women are the center of their families. They lead the children, right? They they make those connections. So it's just really important that we get back to some of these basics. That's what they are. Well, this is part of what was dismantled in the family unit of the '60s, right? Um, the idea that the man had to get all the things to allow a household to pay its bills and all that, leaving the woman to be the center and basically the primary influence over the raising of the children. But listening to what you're saying, it's basically, there is no lie in nature, right? I mean, that's basically what we're talking about. All these methods that have been employed to separate us from the natural truths. When I was young, I did everything I could to get out of school. As a matter of fact, I didn't graduate from high school. I walked away from high school in ninth grade. I couldn't take it anymore. It was confining. It was nonsensical, but it sounds to me like getting back to nature is at the core. And by the way, when you were talking about the menstrual cycle, do you correlate that with the sky clock, with the the lunar correspondences? Definitely. Definitely with the moon. Yeah. We talk about different ways that our bodies can choose to line up with the moon, which is really fascinating. And you know, the more time we spend with our feet on the earth, just simple fact, the more likely we'll be to line up with the moon in one way or another, whether it's the full moon or the new moon. It's a really amazing thing that our bodies do. Like we're just synced to do that, but we have to make that commitment, that time, that time in nature, or at the very least, you know, just reduce artificial lighting and make some other changes in your life for your body to get synced back up. How are you feeling about school these days? Uh, There's been a huge shift within the so-called truther community 
to walk away from mainstream schools and homeschool for the very reasons that we're kind of broaching here. How do you feel about the education system at this point? Is there anything salvageable about it? Or do we need to just get them the hell away from that and start doing a better job on our own? What's your view? And did it change from the older ones to the younger ones? Yeah, I've never spoken personally, I guess, on this podcast because we've always talked about birth. Uh, But my oldest is 21 and none of my kids, all 10 of them, nobody has been to school ever. And I would never change that. It is one, one decision I feel as a mother, as a parent, that for us, we got exactly right. Um, I knew 25 years ago before any of this went down, before I even had a child, I just knew intuitively that I was not going to have a child for someone else to raise him or her. I just knew that. And so my kids have never been to school. They don't even know what that's like. We've never had to deal with that. So I would definitely say that nowadays I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine giving the power of supporting these beautiful souls to someone I don't know, no matter how well-meaning they are. Uh, The program is there. And that's how we produce nice little soldiers that want to continue this uh, matrix that we've built. So I don't think there's anything more damaging than school. And even in my own uh, magical mama circle, these women are pretty, pretty sovereign in their thinking, but many of them still have children in school. And, you know, it's a delicate conversation. It's not meant to shame anyone or, or blame anyone, but nine times out of 10, when they bring forward kind of a parenting issue of one kind or another, So maybe their kid is acting this way or that at home, or they're struggling with something. It always comes back to school. I can guarantee you because children weren't meant to be put somewhere else away from their families all day. Um, It's not natural. It's not natural for their friendships to be the most prominent relationships in their life, especially when they're little children. So, you know, the more time goes on, the older my kids get, I have very young children. I have a two-year-old. I can see in the range of my children just how different they are in the world because they don't have that experience. And my older kids are thriving, you know, for those people that are like, oh, well, they never went to college. No, but their souls are as fulfilled as I think they can be at that age Uh, Whereas most of us were scrambling off, you know, going to a college, trying to complete a degree we didn't even care about, paying a shitload of money to do that. Um, My older kids are already thriving in their own businesses. Um, They know what they're here to do. They, They aren't used to being told what to do. So they don't, it doesn't even cross their mind. It doesn't even cross their mind to like go get a job. They're making money on their own, doing what they were put here on earth to do. And it's been such an honor and a blessing and a privilege to watch them do that. And I know if they were in school, that never would have happened. It never would have happened that way. I don't think most people ever step back and take an honest look at the degree to which school conforms individuals. One of the examples I love because I've I've seen it a number of times is there will be a child who is very, very good at math. They have unique ways of counting in their mind and other tricks that they employ. 
where they can even do long division or three, four number multiplications in their head. And I always remember in school, they would tell them, but you have to show your work on the test. All that mattered was the conformity. And so these children that shined in certain areas were then squashed back into the corral with everyone else. And the more that we go forward into the world we're coming to, school just, I mean, for some people, sure. But really, if you were going to go into debt 50 to 100 grand, or Lord knows what it's up to right now in the world that's emerging, how would that even benefit you? The most successful people I know right now are exactly what you just said of your older children. They're making their own money, whether it be online or some other way. And in the rapidly shifting world we're in now, I don't think we're going to see university too much longer in the way that we viewed it for the past, I don't know, 60 or 70 years. Yeah, I agree. The time is really now for all people, young and old, to reconsider their creative spirit and how to bring abundance in. And again, you know, that's something I focus on in this circle as well. Magic is a fun and fancy word to say we can create what we want. And I've had that in my own life. You know, uh, seven months ago, I got back from Hawaii and I was like, we're going, I want to go there. We're going to go there and we're going to make it happen. And the power of, again, I think a woman in particular is that we don't have to figure out how right? Like we're taught in school that there's a linear way to getting from point A to B. And I think that's the hugest uh, problem with school is that it takes us out of this like magical state. And we're taught that if we can't figure out the steps, if we don't have the right formula, then we can't do it, which is why people are living the way they are. And they're unhappy and miserable in their jobs. We don't have to know how right? We just have to see it. We have to feel it. And it is really believing in our own divine power. So I had no idea how we'd wind up here. And here we are seven months later um, here with eight children, steps from the beach. And I'm not saying that to brag because we all have that power. And that is what I want to uh, reflect back to women. You know, I really love being the mirror that says, look at you, like, look how fantastic you are. Um, You can shift yourself, you can shift your family, and we can shift the world together. Because like you're saying, the days of school and this like really boxed in uh, closed way of thinking is about control. That's what it's about. People needed to be controlled. The easiest way to do that was to, you know, put them in school and make them think that they had to be dependent on everybody else and the whole system to thrive. And that is just not true. I think the main takeaway, you know, when I look back at my young life, which is a million miles away, seemingly from how I see the young people growing up, they have almost no interaction with nature, where to me, that's where the basis for all truth exists. I remember when I was young and the question came up, am I old enough to take boats out by myself? The test I was given was that it was from nature. It was not from a book. Part of it was, did I know the rules? So that was the book part, maybe. But the rest of it was, can you tie a bowline? Can you tie a half itch? Do you know how to you know, do these things? Come up to the mooring, tie off. Things like that were actually the essence of the test. And these things are reflected 
in nature. And so as we go where we're about to go, I'm guessing you must see this digital world has slowly all but removed children doing things outside. I mean, am I wrong here? Isn't there like a, an onslaught of separation from where truth resides, which is basically in nature? Oh, you're definitely right. And it's really bad. I agree with you. It's really bad. But I think there's also a way that these younger generations and the future generations are also, they were also put here to deal with that, if that makes sense. Like, if you look at, you know, some of the uh, basic astrology, and I'm not an astrology expert at all, but they're coming in with an affinity for the technology and to be able to use it to thrive. So I think it's a balance, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing in some ways that we can create abundance through something like technology, but these generations need to learn how to balance it, right? So like you're saying, get back to nature um, is definitely like the core but then if these if these kids are balanced and they realize how powerful they are like in their manifestation the technology i think really can be used for good i think it's possible it's a double edged sword that you were saying about the children just going out and playing on their own and all that that's fantastic because too much today we're seeing this training of materialism from the ground up that just didn't exist I'm 50, so growing up in the 70s, we had things, but it's not like today where if you don't have the latest and greatest, you're all of a sudden feeling like you're uh, not able to keep up with the next child over. That's a huge issue now because that mentality is going to carry through to adulthood, which is just not a good thing. For sure. And in that, again, children are losing like their connection. They're losing their magical abilities uh, that they came in with. So that's part of mothering and parenting nowadays is helping these kids remember. Um, I don't think they need to be taught in a sense, a lot of these things, you know, they are, they do have the wisdom. They understand the earth. Like they may hear animals talk, right? Like they know what crystals can do. They're drawn to these things. They're drawn to plants, but we have to give them the opportunity to get out there and make those connections and maybe remove the technology. You know, we came here to Hawaii um, and our kids left their computers at home. Like that was not part of the vision for this trip. So they are out there, like I said, doing, doing the nature things and connecting, you know, connecting with real humans. I also think that's super important, uh, but just to kind of help bring them back to what I know they know. It's so important. So I'm thinking we've got in this uh, hour, something less than 30 minutes. Let's pull it back around to the things that you actually do and offer with Magical Mama and Andy Birth. With the time we have remaining, what are the important things that directly have to do with the things you offer and the things that you have on the table for people to access? What can we talk about in our remaining time? Uh, I mean, we could talk about the circle more specifically and like how it's set up and just different topics. Okay. And if you want to go back to birth a little bit, like I said, we're focusing more on like training people to be birth workers. So obviously that's women. So if someone was interested in becoming a midwife or a doula, that would be one path you could get them on. Yeah. That's kind of our main focus right now is just getting more women out in the world, becoming midwives and doulas, uh, you know, honoring the sacred way of birth. 
How much pushback do you feel like the? I know it differs from state to state because we've covered this a number of times, but on a whole, if you look at like the United States on a whole, do you feel like the slot that a midwife and a doula would fill in any given state? Is it getting more difficult? Are more people becoming interested? Where is it vis-a-vis where the public's at and where the mainstream is, the rule makers? It's definitely become a path that more women are considering uh, in the last couple of years, right? Because maybe they had horrible hospital births during COVID or their community had uh, a bunch of midwives quit or maybe a hospital shut down. So the interest in becoming a midwife or a doula is definitely heightened in the last couple of years. I don't feel that there's more pushback because I think the powers that be are sort of busy doing other things is the feeling I get. And more women are realizing that this could all go down, right? Like the system uh, hopefully will in a lot of ways just crumble. And what will we do, right? What will women do? How will they birth? Uh, Where will they birth? How will they be supported? So there definitely is that sense too of like, we've got to take care of ourselves here. And the knowledge is really power in that. So what if someone was just literally interested in what you just said is possible? We could see a complete collapse. Maybe that's part of the plan. Right. What if a a young woman who was planning a family just simply wanted to know how to be able to take care of herself vis-a-vis birth? Would that be something that you, you could, you know, deal with to show them, teach them and get them ready? Definitely. Although... The midwife, the uh, indie birth midwifery school is probably overkill for somebody that's having their own babies and just wants to have basic information. Um, You know, the school covers all kinds of intricacies from lab work to complications. So definitely midwives know how to problem solve. And truly that takes a lot of years of experience. So our school is 20 months that teaches people the basics, but if they're going to go out in the world and offer their services, uh, we really insist that they get hands-on training in a a midwifery apprenticeship. So it's not really enough to take the program and think you're going to be a midwife. It's probably valuable though, for sure, to women that are just wanting to know, because again, this information is, uh, information that women have always had in a sense, right? There were always the village midwives and and they didn't go to school. They just passed this down. So yeah, it's definitely valuable. If you're super interested in birth, you'd get a lot out of it and and maybe more the doula program because that's less intense. Uh, That's a couple months. It's a four month program. As far as people who are interested, are you seeing different backgrounds, like people from all walks of life? Or are you seeing more like it's more specific from certain areas, certain demographics? That is a great question because I have noticed in the last year or two that we are getting a new type of student into our midwifery school. And it is one I am really excited about because I think, again, it means the medical system is crumbling. Uh, so yeah, the new the newer type of student we're getting, they are women that are medically trained and they're not super, super young. You know, they're not 18. They're women that have been established in the medical system as maybe nurses or labor and delivery nurses or, you know, whatever. And they are done. 
they are done. They can no longer go forward in the medical system. It is broken. They are not able to work there, uh, having a soul that has other ideas. And they come to us and they say, you know, I've always wanted to do this. And I realize that it's time. The medical system is not only broken, but I don't want to have a piece in it anymore. And, you know, they're amazing women because they do have this experience. They have this really valuable experience that I don't have even, you know, I've never worked in the medical system. So they come to us with skills and medical knowledge, and we're able to support them then in taking it further and adding in this sacred side, adding in this undisturbed physiological birth, which of course, no one in the medical system is taught even up to obstetrician level. None of those people have any idea how normal birth actually looks. So it's a really humble place for a lot of these women to be, you know, having had a whole career and now shifting gears and saying, that's not for me anymore. I love them. I love that we're getting more of those women into our school. So exciting. That is promising. That is a promising thing to hear. And here's, here's one thing that I think we can agree on, Jason. Women led the way during COVID when I expected to see a lot of men kicking against the system. What we saw, what we ended up interacting with, what we covered were people like Agent J. So many of the women recognized that nothing about this is right. I can't do this anymore. I can't be party to it. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Jason? Did Don't you feel the same way that I do? There was predominantly women, vastly overwhelming women that began to kick back against the system. I would say it was definitely more so. And then as time went on, it started becoming a little bit of everybody. But yeah, at first it really was that small group of women because we also had Jessica Brink, who was very instrumental in pushing yep. hard against that. RNs, a lot of RNs. Right. Was there a common denominator with the uh, medical people you're seeing? Like, was there one thing specifically, like, was it the COVID nonsense or was it just different aspects of the medical system that happened to stick out to somebody and be like, yeah, I can't deal with this? It may have been partly the requirements for COVID, but I think at a deeper level, it was probably watching the treatment of people uh, watching the treatment of women in the medical industrial complex for birth, right? Watching women be told they couldn't have anybody with them for their birth at the hospital, uh, watching women birth in masks. I think women just hit their emotional edge, like you're saying, and it's not that men didn't, but in this kind of stereotypical way, uh, it feels to me like a lot of men were kind of off, not agreeing, but maybe researching it or or trying to get the facts. And and women more so were just like, no, like at an emotional and spiritual level, this is just wrong. I don't need to know the numbers. I don't need to know why this is disgusting. I'm seeing it in front of me. So that's some of the feedback I've heard, even from not professionals, but just women who had to birth during that time. It is a bit soul crushing even now to hear a mother in labor in a mask, breathing her own exhaust fumes, forced to be alone. I mean, it's draconian. Some of the documents of some of the people that stood up against this probably circled the world three times. It was unreal. But the other thing that I'd like to mention is of all the episodes we've done with natural birth, with midwifery, doulas. Jason, I don't remember a single person that we've interviewed that didn't 
absolutely state that the natural birth that they took part in was infinitely better than their hospital experience for those who had had other children. And what's more, to a person, I believe they stated things like, my naturally born baby didn't get sick, didn't get earaches, walked more quickly, talked more quickly. I mean, that's, Marin, that's that's what we have heard almost across the board, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Sure. I mean, that's what I've seen my entire career as a midwife is that women that are in their center. And again, it's finding that, that voice. And for most women, if they're really in touch with that, why would they want to be away from home for this intimate event? Why would they agree to have their babies separated from them? Uh, no woman like in her truly connected and right mind, I don't think would choose that. They've just been brainwashed. They've been programmed to think that's safer. Uh, but what's actually safer is not severing this connection between the mom and baby because they are one thing. And that's why there's increased health. And that's why there's increased vitality because we respect that a mom and a baby are one unit. Whereas in the hospital, what is it? Seconds? Literally seconds. And they cut the cord and take a baby away. So it's doing damage on every level, physical, emotional, spiritual, just that, just that simple fact alone. Well, that's another thing that I learned about the cord cutting. That one thing alone, I mean, you're an expert at this. Not only have you had enough children to be an expert, but you're professionally doing this. How could you start to even quantify? So from what I've been told, because I am not a parent, I have witnessed childbirth twice, but it was in a hospital. And it's like you say, they cut that cord right away. What I've been told is that that, the placenta and everything could pulsate for 45 minutes or longer. When they cut that cord immediately, can it even be quantified what the child is being deprived of? I believe it can. I'm not a numbers person, but there's something crazy like a third of the blood volume in the placenta. So if we allow the placenta to reach its equilibrium, so we don't cut the cord and the blood actually doesn't just flow to the baby, it goes back and forth uh, from what I've read. So the blood kind of reaches an equilibrium between the baby and the placenta. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. We don't know all the mysterious ways in which that happens, Uh, but that is the way it physiologically works, the organs have to be perfused. The baby has obviously um, not just a brain and a heart, but, you know, kidneys, liver, stomach. What happens to us later in life, many of us, uh, if we don't allow that initial perfusion, right? All kinds of things from cancer to disabilities to, you know, who knows what, because the, that blood in the placenta belongs to the baby. So when it's being cut seconds after the baby basically is like going into shock in a certain kind of way, the organs are not able to be perfused, which means they're not going to function on a vital level for the whole entire life of that baby. And that's just the physical, that's just the physiological. I think there is uh, the spiritual deep metaphysical level we have there of again, making this cut of severing this baby without permission, without any kind of warning from its life force. Like that is the initial insult. Uh, That is why I think, you know, the world is the way it is. People are born into fear 
and the cord is cut, they are cut from their lifeline. And, you know, we could imagine all of the ways, again, just emotionally, mentally, that people are affected by that. Uh, It is not what nature intended. And I think it creates profound, profound effects on um, a person's ability to ultimately feel connected to source, right? Because that is source. That is their source when a, when a newborn is born. Um, so it's a, that's the initial insult to life, that like falling from grace that many of us feel in our lives. Uh, and I know that's pretty esoteric, but you know, that's where I like to go with things. It's actually not. And I can take it to a worse place than that to demonstrate the just incredible damage that's being done by intent. And unfortunately, probably the doctors there are not doing anything evil by intent. That's how they were taught. That's how you do it. You know, they they were shown this happens, this happens, you cut. But if we track it all the way back, we've done enough research to show that the making of the current birth certificate as it exists now is based on what we call the afterbirth. So this kind of violence that you've described, which I absolutely accept, echoes out through a whole lifetime in health and mental abilities, Lord only knows what is diminished. And it probably varies from life to life. Uh, I've heard that sometimes it quits pumping much sooner for this birth than it does for that birth. But what I have come to learn is that most of the people wait for that pumping to stop before they do the severing. But what we also know is in an older culture, that that what we call the afterbirth, like we've been taught it's some throwaway thing, was called and viewed as the inheritance. And there was a huge premium put on the thing called the call. But to get back to the point, this was institutionalized at the same time that they were creating the legal straw man fiction. And it was all based on that cut. Kurt Kallenbach would have a lot to say about this. But anyhow, Jason, you want to add anything to this? Well, they've been programming people for, oh, I don't know, decades at this point on this is how you do things. And what does that do? It institutes a sense of fear. You don't ever see a TV show taking place in the home where they're giving natural births. Of course not. You're being rushed to the hospital and it's a big deal. And how many times have they been rushing to the hospital and the cop tries to pull them over and they're like, oh, we're, g- we're g- trying to deliver a baby. And the cop be like, follow me, I'll get you there. That kind of thing. It's, <laughs> That kind of crap's been programmed into us for decades now. Right. On average, Marin, when when you've seen the number of births you've seen, how long do you feel like the placenta and the cord are pumping on average, just roundabout, if you had to try to guesstimate? And the re- the reason I'm asking is because in most hospital sittings, it's like what you said. Baby comes out, up, oh, time to cut. So I just, I'm trying to give an overview. I mean, it, it could be 45 minutes or an hour, couldn't it? Oh, sure. And it might be more than that. And I have a different way of doing things. In fact, you're talking about programming and even working with home birth families. Obviously, we meet a lot of belief systems uh, that are programmed, even in these people that are choosing this alternative thing. So one funny thing that often comes up, maybe it's in a consult when we're, we're talking about working together or just in education during a pregnancy, is someone will ask me that question. They'll say, well, when can we cut the cord? And my answer always is, you will know, like, we don't even need to have a timeline in mind. Um, And this is a great example of maternal 
wisdom because this isn't something that needs to be on a clock. This isn't something that anyone else needs to do. Uh, heck, in you know some scenarios, and in and this is like probably from other cultures at other times, but people still do it. They don't cut the cord at all. They just do a lotus birth and leave it attached. So my answer to people is always, don't think about it. Uh, I'll leave the scissors with you if you want. When I go home, I don't need to be present. This isn't, you know, this isn't life or death. But again, like Jason said, we're programmed to think, oh my God, where's the scissor? We've got to cut the cord. Does anyone have any dental floss? What, what happens with the lotus birth? Does it just disconnect on its own? after a day or it something? Does. And how long does that take? Yeah, it takes several days and uh, the placenta must be cared for because you have this piece of essentially raw meat. So you keep the placenta in a bowl with salts and herbs and it preserves it while you wait. And it could take two to four days for the cord to completely dry up, become really brittle and naturally separate from the baby. And again, there are cultures and belief systems that believe that's the way to do it, that we don't ever make the assumption that we know when this baby would want to be separated from its sibling. A lot of cultures do see the placenta as the twin of the baby. So energetically um, allowing that to happen on its own, it's a commitment. I've only seen it a couple of times because the baby and the placenta are still attached. The mom has to be very gentle with that. She has to pretty much remain in bed, which is recommended anyways, but not that many people do that, but that's kind of the ultimate non-cord cutting. If you saw a belly button, could you tell if it was a lotus birth based on what the belly button looked like? Is there, <laughs> is there a difference? No, I don't think so. I never so. thought about that so. because I mean, basically, don't we get our belly buttons from most of us from a cut that's made at a hospital? Yeah, I'm not sure it matters because the cord goes through the same process anyway. So I've seen cord burning. That's another way to separate the baby from the placenta, actually burning it. A lot of the births that I attend, we don't even clamp it because like you're saying, the blood flow is done. So if they don't want to cut the cord till five hours after the birth, there's no blood flow. Uh, so they can clamp it, but there's nothing to really go on there. So yeah, I don't think it matters. I don't think the, the type of belly button is able to be discerned, at least by me. Uh, that's a pretty unknowing question, but it dawned on me. But um, yeah. anyhow, we're pretty much to the top of the hour. Is there anything else that you think is critical to get in before we wrap up? Uh, just my magical mama circle. I wanted to talk just a couple minutes about that because, okay. again, I think uh, so many of the topics we've talked about today are are things we're, we're doing together in this circle. So it's virtual. There are women from all over the world in this circle. Uh, we meet twice a month on Zoom and there is a topic for each month. So this coming Sunday, the topic is cycle magic as I shared. And so I share for the hour, I kind of give people some directions, some resources. And then two weeks later at another Zoom meeting, and that's a sharing circle, kind of like the old times, but uh, in a virtual setting. So everybody has a chance to share, to talk, to ask questions and kind of get to know each other that way. Uh, there's also an online platform, of course, so people can post things and discuss whether it's astrology, like today is uh, Lion's Gate, which is a really cool astrological thing. So maybe we have post some rituals or a ceremony that we're each doing, a card reading, and just kind of share about magic and connection in that way. Um, I have guest speakers throughout the year. So upcoming, I have my mentor, 
who's an elder. Her name is Donna Maria. She's a really wise elder witchy woman who will be sharing with the circle. And we have other presenters as well. So we have an upcoming like Feng Shui presentation and different things like that. Uh, It's a yearly circle. So women join for the year. And again, they're kind of in this community of like-minded people. And certainly parenting things come up as well, like we were talking about today. So kind of off-the-cuff discussions around potty training and, and different ways of looking at things. I think I have a pretty unique perspective at this point of mothering 10 kids for the last 20 years. I don't usually have the same answers people have. So I think it's a really nice group of leadership and also connection and community. And all of those details can be found at magicalmama.org forward slash circle. All right. So everyone listening, there's basically two URLs, two websites, magicalmama.org. And then of course there's indiebirth.org. And just to sum up, as we get ready to close out here, Primarily what you're involved in is if women want to get into the midwifery or doula as a profession, you're a doorway for that. We are definitely a doorway for that. And we're one of the only doorways that I know of that is, again, acknowledging the spiritual and sacred side of these paths. So there are many midwifery schools out there. Uh, They're very heavily mainstream associated with the matrix, all about licensing and accreditation. Uh, We are not that, obviously. We are different. We have many years of experience actually walking this path um, of being an autonomous midwife, a radical midwife, whatever you want to say. And so we're really teaching women not, not just the intellectual knowledge, but hopefully connecting them to the spiritual side and having them figure out, you know, who they are on this path rather than being a cookie cutter midwife or doula, which is a lot of what's out there. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, I'm going to wrap up episode 529.5. Is there anything else you'd like to get in, Jason or uh, Marin? Glad to see you continuing this work. Obviously, not that I expected you to stop, but (laughs) I'm hoping that uh, we're going to have an increase in this and that this is just going to keep spreading so that we can really pull back from the insane social engineering agendas that have been going on for so long. I think what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to express my gratitude again for you both and for Rose and for having the show and for having me on. You know, I obviously am really passionate about birth and I know a lot of people have found us through this podcast. So I'm so grateful. And just on the magical mama note, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are our guys, are male. And I just want to say that women finding this place in themselves and finding this support with other women really does shift everyone. It does shift uh, relationships. It does shift marriages. It does shift our families and our culture. So although it is for women, I really feel like it's a huge passion project to do what we're all doing, you know, to just uh, shine our light in the world and try and shift things. So thank you both so much. All right. There it is. There's the close of the hour with Marin Green and Jason Lindgren. There's a big shift in the world and things are going to change. And I think part of the plan when we went into COVID was to actually destroy the medical industry slowly but surely behind them as they went. Uh, After all, so many of the people who were participating in that ended up taking shots and other things. I actually know right now three doctors that are trying to get out of being doctors now based on what they had to witness. With that, 
Uh, I'm going to close episode 529.5, and I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.